0: Welcome to the Disability Law Show. Good to have you with us, Samantha Markin, of course, taking the reins, answering all your questions and emails today. And by the way, you want to send some along, we'll get to those in just a bit, help at disabilityrights.ca, the website, disabilityrights.ca, that is your roadmap to uh, catch some of our past TV shows, which we've been doing for years, so you want to catch up on those, you can, disabilityrights.ca. And we will probably refer to several times, if not all morning, to disabil- MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Fantastic resource for all things about disability law. You can ask questions there. Searchable database, which means your question may have been asked earlier and answered by uh, Savannah's team. If not, leave it there and uh, it'll get to, it'll get answered uh, rather quickly. Again, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. And the number, again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 5900 Reach out anytime. How are you, pal? What's going on?
1: I'm good, John. I'm good, good, good. It's, uh, again, very, very busy week. I know I say this every week, but it seems like it's just getting busier. But you know, why am I surprised? Why are we surprised? Yeah. Especially when we're dealing with long-term disability claims with insurance companies. You know, we've been talking last year, even when COVID first hit and came to our shores in Canada, that we're going to have a tsunami of psychological claims uh, that come about. People who are going to just be rattled and are going to be you know, left with this uh, crater of of a of, of a psychological impact because of this pandemic and all of the associated issues that come with it and I'm not casting blame on anyone but you know with the isolation with the lockdowns you, all this kind of stuff it's not um, surprising that we are seeing more and more people break um, you know th- they're just psychologically breaking and so oh, yeah. I want to start the show by talking about an interesting news article from CTV News that was reported. Um, just this past week. And the title of it is Coronaphobia. Doctors coined term for anxiety linked to the pandemic. That's the article. And in the article, I'll just read you a a brief paragraph. Um, The term refers to a severe type of anxiety that specifically pertains to the pandemic. The condition has similar symptoms to general anxiety. However, its symptoms are an extreme pandemic-related disorder and then it goes on and explains things and talks about a psychologist out of Vancouver uh, that that is looking into this and look I am not surprised that we now have a, a coronaphobia what is a phobia uh, phobia is is a fear it's an excessive fear of something we've heard of agoraphobia uh, you know arachnophobia from from spiders oh, yeah. and things like that so so you know coronaphobia It's just to me completely natural as an extension of what we are all going through and I think you're going to see more and more people suffering from that as well as other types of psychological issues, depression, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, etc. The reason I'm bringing this up is because this touches a main topic that we go over on and on uh, almost every show, John, on the radio and on TV, which is this. People who are suffering from these kinds of debilitating psychological illnesses and conditions... Can they apply for long-term disability? Can the insurance companies reject their claims if, in fact, these individuals cannot work as a result of these psychological disabilities? And the answer is really quite simple. If you have a doctor or somebody that's treating you, let's say a psychologist, uh, and that person has diagnosed you with a condition... And, you know, is explaining on paper in a report or a letter that you are impaired from doing your own occupation, from performing the essential tasks of your own occupation or any occupation for that matter, depending on where you are in your disability application process. And and, and you cannot do that, you know, the job, uh, then the insurance company needs to approve you. But many people are getting rejected. And I see this time and time again. And, and, you know, John, we had launched last year that class action against TD insurance, which is still ongoing. And there's another class action we're part of with uh, school cancellation trips, again, dealing with insurance companies. So insurance companies, I think, during this whole pandemic have really tried to hold off the tide, the tide of claims. And so, The message to people out there is this, when it comes to long-term disability and and any kind of insurance, if you are denied an insurance claim in any context, mortgage insurance, insurance, critical illness insurance, LTD insurance, car insurance, whatever, don't take whatever the insurance company says at face value, check with a lawyer that deals with insurance matters. Now, we deal specifically with things like um, long-term disability insurance, critical illness insurance, you know these kinds of insurance policies we, we don't deal with generally with house insurance claims you know that kind of stuff but if you are suffering from corona phobia if you are suffering from depression anxiety ptsd any of these psychological things illnesses disabilities that prevent you from working and you've been rejected by your long-term disability insurance company for any reason any reason give us a call contact me directly I deal with people, John, on a daily basis, tons of people from across the country, right? Because we got offices in three provinces now, Ontario, B.C., and Alberta. we got lawyers on the ground in all these three provinces. And we help people deal with these kinds of claims and answer questions all the time exactly about these kinds of issues. And, uh, you know, people decide for themselves if they want to pursue a claim or not. I- I'm here to tell you if you have a case. I'm here to tell you if the insurance company is correct in denying your claim and more often than not they are not correct more often than not I tell someone you have a case that means that you have money that is owed to you by the insurance company if you choose to pursue it that's fantastic we can help you with that it's actually generally not a very difficult process uh, that doesn't actually take that long forget about everything you're seeing on TV you're not gonna go to court most likely it's very very rare to go to court very rare uh, but you know if you don't want to pursue it, that's your prerogative too, right? Again, our goal is to give you information and to empower you because the insurance company is interested in you not knowing your rights, not understanding that you actually have the power to challenge them if they give you uh, a decision, if they reject your claim on invalid and illegitimate and illegal grounds. We know how to challenge them because we deal with them each and every day.
0: You know, isn't it also the case, especially with, you know, um yeah. This phobia you're speaking of, with uh, with the pandemic, I mean, eventually it'll 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 manifest itself in physical things as well. But for, off the top, I guess in the early going, it, it's it I guess could be classified as a psychological impairment. And isn't it? To qualify to be on LTD so they don't turn you down or don't cut you off, is it not based on the symptom rather than the diagnosis? Because this would not be the first time that there's been a psychological manifestation of a disability that doesn't have a diagnosis by a doctor. You, You just can't work. It's the symptom that's keeping you off work. Is that not what it's based on? Thereby, they should not be cutting you off or turning down your claim.
1: You're 100% correct, uh, John. In fact, I have yet to see an LTD policy that says that you have to have a specific diagnosis in order to qualify for LTD. That's not what the test is. The test is can you perform the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years, can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience beyond the two-year mark? That's generally, you know, the two tests that we're dealing with. These are the two tests. Some policies are different. You have some policies that are injury-type policies, meaning that they don't cover illnesses. They cover only injuries. Those, those are more rare in my experience. Uh, but psychological, yeah, Absolutely. I think a lot of people are under the misapprehension that if they don't have a proper diagnosis or if they've gone to 10 different doctors and they've received 10 different diagnoses, no one's questioning that they cannot work. It's just that there is a dispute and an argument and a debate about the diagnosis. The insurance company sometimes latches onto that debate and says, aha, we don't have a label for your illness and therefore you don't qualify. Nonsense, baloney. And and I'm telling you this as someone who has dealt with these kinds of claims. I, again, I I always, you know, come back. There is one particular case that always stands out to me with this lady, young lady, who was earning in the six figures salary. She was in the IT world. And, uh, John, she, uh, you know, she had neurological issues, cognitive issues with her brain. I think she went to every neurologist in the province no one could figure out what was going on she went through so many different exams MRIs etc you know and and the reality is that at the end of the day when the insurance company denied her claim and we started the claim um, in other words when they denied her application and we then started the legal claim against them they ended up uh, paying in the mid six figures as a settlement you know that is something that I want to highlight here they told her we're gonna pay you zero dollars and after we got involved, within less than a year, there was a settlement. I can't give you specifics. There's confidentiality reasons, so there's no name here. There's no name of the insurance company. But there was a settlement close to, a, the, you know, the, the, in, in, the, in the mid-range, six wow. figures. That tells you something. The insurance company didn't just pay that from, for altruistic reasons, right? It wasn't a cherry case. They understood that if we went to a judge, if we went to court, they would lose big And so they made the decision to settle with us and they paid her exactly what, what, you know, she she, uh, um, was owed. And and so to your point, you know, if you're in a situation where you're suffering from a a psychological impairment and functionally you cannot work, right? Remember, you can be depressed, you can have any job in the world, but you're depressed, you can't get out of bed most days, it doesn't matter what kind of job you're going to have, you're not going to be able to perform it. Right? Again, I'm talking generally. It depends. There's different kinds mm, of depression. Sure. There's different grades and all that. But my point is insurance companies cannot simply deny your claim saying, oh, it's a psychological issue. We're not going to cover that. Oh, there is no diagnosis. There is no label. No. No. That is nonsense. And we fight these kinds of claims. So I'm not talking in the abstract. I'm talking based on results. Right? And we have these results each and every day. By the way, the vast majority of our of our clients actually suffer from psychological predominantly psychological impairments that prevent them from working now you're also right John that psychological impairments and disabilities and illnesses manifest many times physically because if you are depressed you're anxious you know you suffering from a whole sort of psychological issues you're not gonna be able to sleep properly you're gonna have issues with pain all over your body all these things are intermixed right psychological and physical the body is not its a complex machine and and doctors recognize that. So for the insurance companies to just say, oh, this is psychological, we don't cover it. Try saying that to a judge. Right? And there is a reason, you know, why John, when we start the legal claim, and then they get a defense lawyer assigned and they get a different adjuster looking at the file. Suddenly they come back and they sing a different tune. Right? They want to settle the case. They don't want to fight it. There is a reason for that. But most people, the vast majority of people, don't understand this. They don't know this. They're not lawyers. They're not in the insurance industry. This is what we do. We have a certain expertise in this area. We're proud of it. Insurance companies know us. They recognize us. And they understand that we are are bringing forth a claim. There is validity to it. And they're going to end up paying our clients.
0: Take a short break. We'll get to uh, more. Again, you want to reach out, you can. No problem. Email is a good way. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The website, disabilityrights.ca. That is your link to our long-running TV show, of course. And we always refer to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. And the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show continues right here, Global News Radio. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Savannah, Mark, and John Scholes here reaching out. 1-855-821-5900. Always toll free. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We'll refer to that again during the show today, of course. You want to email, you can send one along for a uh, lengthier discussion uh, with uh, Savannah or his team, help at disabilityrights.ca. And we do have a TV show that's been running for years, called and it's called Disability Law Show. And that could be found at disabilityrights.ca, the links to it. Okay, pal, uh, into another case. What do you got?
1: All right, so let's just start uh, going through some of the emails that I've been receiving this Excellent. week. Again, I'm going to keep you know names. I'm going to change names. I'm not going to mention names of insurance companies, confidentiality reasons. So if anybody contacts me, by the way, and you'd like to hear your case on air, by all means, tell me. If you don't, tell me that too. Uh, very, very cognizant of, of privacy and confidentiality. So let me tell you about this one individual who contacted us. Uh, this person is off on LTD uh, with a very prominent insurance company, due to uh, anxiety and other psychological issues. There you go, John. Psychological issues. Yep. She's been employed with the Ministry of the Attorney General um, in, in an office admin capacity for for the last 25 plus years. She's been off work since September of last year, 2020, and collecting around three grand or so a month in LTD. Now she's been contacted by her insurance company because they want her to attend a virtual assessment with their psychiatrist, the insurance paid psychiatrist. The assessment is booked for uh, the following week and she's looking just to understand her rights regarding the assessment, what the outcome might be, etc. Very very common uh, questions that we get. Uh, She's uh, 59 years old and her annual salary is uh, over $60,000. All right, so here's how we deal with these assessments. So first of all, I want people to understand that the way that insurance companies deal with claims, especially when we're dealing with psychological claims, but also physical claims, is oftentimes at some point during the claims process, they will want to have you seen or assessed by one of their experts. They call this, ironically, an independent medical assessment. Okay? The word independent is a joke. It's not independent Uh, And the reason it's not independent, in my view, and I'm talking not only as someone who, you know, fights insurance companies, but somebody who a long time ago used to work for an insurance company. Uh, The reason why they're independent is because the insurance company is the one that's paying these doctors to do these assessments. And I can tell you right now that when an insurance company uh, has a doctor uh, uh, do an assessment in one of these cases. That's probably not the only assessment that doctor does for this insurance company. So these, ins- these doctors, many of them, actually make a very good living by, making these, by doing these assessments on behalf of insurance companies. So it stands to reason then that when they do the assessment, they produce a report. Sure. And if the report is favorable to the insurance company, meaning not favorable necessarily to the claimant, well, then the insurance company is happy. And again, it stands to reason logically that then, then the insurance company will send more of these assessments to that particular doctor. Okay, So the doctor can be the best doctor in the world from a medical standpoint, but in my view, there is this conflict here because the doctor understands who's paying him or her. So they have an interest in, in uh, placating or pleasing the insurance company. And I can tell you right now, John, that when I used to do insurance work and I used to be a lawyer working for insurance companies we would have a roster of doctors. We would know that if we had a claimant assessed by one of those doctors, chances are we would get back a report after the assessment that was good for us, not for the individual, okay? So this lady here, he's go- she's going to be assessed by a psychiatrist hired by the insurance company to, uh, to, to provide a report. And, and what I tell everyone when they go to these assessments is cardinal rule, okay? Number one rule, be truthful, Don't embellish anything. I mean, that should always be the case. But it's even more important when you're doing one of these assessments. You know, be truthful. Um, uh, Explain exactly what is bothering you. Uh, Don't underplay symptoms, okay? Don't make yourself look like Superman or Superwoman because, again, the insurance doctor is very much going to record that, that you said that you're under no pain and no stress and, you know, you can go to work. Uh, and, And here's the other thing ask your adjuster to provide you with a copy of whatever report is generated by the assessor. Because chances are, and I can tell you this from experience, as you go through the report, you will find that there are many factual errors. Factual errors in terms of recounting your medical history, factual errors in terms of what you actually expressed to the assessor, and frankly, factual errors and opinion errors, I would say, with respect to the overall conclusions of the assessor. And so what I tell people that if the assessment, if the report, from this this uh, insurance doctor contradicts whatever your treating doctors are saying get your treating doctors to review this report and provide a rebuttal Okay, provide their opinions as to why they disagree with this assessor now that's not gonna necessarily result in the insurance company not cutting you off in other words insurance companies often send people to these assessments because they want to get a report that says that you are not that disabled and so therefore you're gonna have to go back to work we're gonna cut you off You want to prevent that, and the way to prevent that or to try and prevent that is by getting your doctors to then provide their opinions, which are the correct opinions, I would argue, uh, in your favor, right, maintaining their opinions. And again, listen, if your doctors agree with the report of the insurance doctor and everyone says you can go back to work, well, you know, then you're going to have an issue here, obviously, if all the doctors are saying you're okay. But in the event that there is this uh, difference of opinion between what your treating doctors are saying... You know, they're saying you cannot work because of X, Y, and Z. And the insurance doctor is saying, no, you can work. You need your doctors on your side. And if at some point later on the insurance company latches on to this erroneous opinion by their doctors that you, in fact, can work and they cut you off benefits, meaning they stop payments, you need to call us immediately. Because we're going to start, you know, the whole process going to, to basically fight the insurance company. Right, Because if, if they're cutting you off benefits before you are ready to go back to work or if they're pressuring you to go back to work before you're ready and before you are clear to go back to work by your doctors, that's a big no-no. And we can do something about that. The, 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 the last thing that I would say is this. I don't want to scare people. And I want people to understand they have an obligation under these LTD policies to undergo these assessments. But there are certain limitations. The insurance company cannot be unreasonable. There are situations where the insurance company, for example, is going to be doctor shopping. They'll send you to one psychiatrist. They're not going to like the opinion they get because the, the psychiatrist they paid for agrees with your doctors. So then they tell you, no, 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 we want you to be seen by another psychiatrist. They can't do that. They right. can't start shopping around for opinions. Okay? In fact, to me, if they do that, that gives rise to punitive damages if there's a claim later, meaning we can go after them for bad faith conduct. So really, really important to understand that when an insurance company, in the context of disability, long-term disability, they want you to be seen by one of their doctors, you agree as long as you can, in fact, go. In this case, it's a virtual assessment for this lady, so that's not a problem. Uh, but uh, you make sure that you are vigilant because this doctor is working for the insurance company. And that word, independent, in the title, independent medical assessment, is just a, a I would say a misnomer okay it, it's just right. it's not an independent assessment it's not that's it. If you have any questions, you give me a call. John, you're going to give our information. People, people by the way, go on mydisabilityquestions.com, That website we have that uh, people post questions. You're going to see, you can actually search for independent, independent medical assessments and these kinds of, of yep. questions, and you're going to see that there have been tons and tons of people who've been asking questions about this topic, which is a very valid topic because it comes up all the time, and you know we can answer all your questions when it comes to
0: it. And I always ask you this on the side. That is, they can't tell you where to go for treatment either. That is fully up to your choice and your, you know, whatever practitioner you, you believe is, is most helpful to you,
1: right? 100%. 100%. In fact, I, I am very, very um, unhappy when I hear that someone is going to a clinic um, for treatments that has been recommended by their long-term disability provider. Not because the clinic is bad. I, I, you know, some of these clinics are top-notch, but again, you have to question, why is the insurance company recommending that you go to this specific clinic? Look, I understand, if you are living in a remote area, somewhere in BC, Alberta, Ontario, somewhere where really there's not allowed, sorry, there, there, we don't have a lot of doctors or clinics, and you need a specific type of treatment, I get it, I get it. If there's no other choice, you got to go where you got to go to get treatments, because your health is paramount. But my concern is that if you are in downtown Vancouver, downtown Toronto, downtown Calgary, wherever you are, and you have your choice of where to go, and the insurance company is telling you no, you got to go to this particular clinic, you got to ask why are they insisting that you go to that specific clinic? Is it because they're relying on that clinic to, after a few months, you know, crank out a report that says that you're all better, even if you're not? You know what I mean? Like you got to be. So I have yet to see in any insurance policy. Any insurance policy, a term, a provision, a section that says that you must go to the treatment facility that the insurance company dictates, I simply have not seen that. They do have a term that says that you have to undergo reasonable treatments, right? You gotta, you, you have to follow reasonable treatment recommendations from doctors, right? That's fine, I agree with that, but I have yet to see any provision that requires you as a claimant to go specifically to see that doctor that they're recommending or that clinic by that name on that street. I have not seen that. And I tell people, get recommendations from your own treating doctors as to where to go. Get recommendations from friends. Maybe you are used to going to a specific clinic. You know, I would trust those places first uh, rather than going to where the insurance company is sending me. one
0: 855 Two one fifty nine hundred Again, the toll-free number. The email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. Don't be bashful. Feel free to send an email to Savannah and his team. Anytime, disabilityrights.ca. The shortened version there without the help at is the website where you will catch uh, episodes of our long-running TV show. And again, we always refer to it and use it every show, mydisabilityquestions.com. we still got a few minutes before we break. Uh, what else is, uh, is on your mind, pal?
1: Well, we have a few other things that came our way, John. Uh, so, so let me let me tell you this. I received this email from this nice lady, uh, and, and she she wrote this. She says, requesting um, help on behalf of my husband. He's 40 years old. He's been on LTD for two years due to mental illness uh, caused on the job. Um, he's receiving WCB, which is workers' compensation. It's in uh, BC and Alberta. Um, he's not back to work, but he's being denied benefits as of February eighteenth, two thousand 2021. So, you know, that's coming up, obviously. Um, And, and, you know, it's interesting because, first of all, when you are dealing with a condition that is disabling you, that arises out of your workplace situation, sometimes from a toxic work environment, sometimes it was some kind of a a traumatic event. Like, for example, I had a client that was uh, working for a bank as a teller. And, you know, there was a robbery there and she was held at gunpoint, so there was PTSD. You know, when you have these kinds of situations that come up, there's always an issue as to whether or not this is within the realm of workers' compensation versus LTD versus potentially constructive dismissal if this is a toxic work environment. Again, you need to make sure you go to lawyers who understand all of these areas of law because they intersect. And if you have the wrong lawyer and and the lawyer... Makes the wrong analysis, you're going to lose a lot of money potentially uh, down the road, and I'm, we're going to sure. go. By the way, if not this segment, the next segment, I'm going to tell you about uh, an email that I received, which is which is quite tragic, I think, uh, exactly on this point, going to the wrong lawyer. And, and so, in this case, with this lady here, if she if he's receiving her husband, WCB. Benefits, so workers' compensation, you know, those are usually credited to the LTD insurer, meaning that if you are entitled to workers' compensation benefits, the long term disability insurance company, under most LTD policies that I have seen, they get a credit for those benefits. Okay, so if WCB pays a thousand bucks a month and you're owed two thousand dollars a month from the LTD insurer, you're gonna get only one thousand from the LTD insurer because the LTD insurer gets a credit for that thousand from workers' compensation. Okay, it's just like CPP disability. All right. But here's the interesting thing here. He's 40 years old, been on LTD for two years, and he's being cut off at the two-year mark. John, we know about that two-year mark, right? That's when the test changes. That's when, in most LTD policies, the test becomes not can you do your own occupation, but can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for uh, by education, training, and experience, experience. And what I tell people is that if you are cut off at the two-year mark, we're told that your LTD benefits will get cut off at the two-year mark, do not take that at face value. Do not simply agree to it, do not agree to it without checking with a disability lawyer first, because we're going to take a look at the documentation, okay, from your doctors, we're going to talk to you, we're going to have to understand whether or not you can in fact do something else for which you're trained for right for which you may have training education or experience and generally we try to figure out whether or not you can actually earn commensurate income usually we're looking at about 60 65 maybe even 70% of your pre disability income in other words if after 2 years of being on LTD you cannot work in any other job occupation actually that pays you let's say 60 65% of your pre disability income then in my view you should qualify for LTD benefits beyond the 2 year mark and if you don't qualify or the insurance company says you don't qualify, you give us a call immediately and we'll chat with you about your specific situation and what the options are.
0: want to get into some more uh, correspondence here in, in a moment. We've got to take a short break, as you know, and uh, we'll get to it now. So hang on and, uh, and maybe we'll get to your email or your questions as well. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Website, disabilityrights.ca. And the website, mydisabilityquestions.com, you can use that anytime and search for your question to see if it has been asked in the past. If not, leave it there. Savannah and the, uh, the team will get to it. This is the Disability Law Show. It's on Global News Radio. Welcome back. This is the Disability Law Show. Savannah and answering all of your questions. How do you send them along? Simple email. First uh, first option, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Amazing. Searchable database. You can see if your question has been asked by another listener. And uh, if not, leave it there, and the team will get to it. If so, search it and see if it is answered in full and save you a bit of time there as well. And there's always the phone number, toll-free, of course, one 821 5900 Okay, we've got a few minutes here. Savannah, where are we going now?
1: Okay, so, um, you know, in the last segment, John, I, I told you about this case or this email that I had received oh. uh, with respect to somebody who uh, went, I think, to the wrong lawyer. So let me, let me uh, um, give you some specifics on this, again, without uh, divulging confidentiality. So this sure. person emails me and, and gives me the name of his insurance company, uh, of which I'm aware because we deal with them a lot. Uh, he worked at a prominent grocery store, this individual. He went off work about four years ago with uh, as a result of peripheral neuropathy in his feet. His long-term disability insurer paid him up to his two-year mark and then cut him off. Uh, apparently the the, uh, excuse from the insurance company was that there was just not enough doctors information uh, with respect to the ongoing disability which you got to think okay what does that mean I mean you paid him for two years so how can suddenly not there not be enough information from doctors anyways uh, so he he was without LTD for about a year Uh, he says he ended up getting a disability lawyer he calls that person a disability lawyer I don't know if it's a disability lawyer you have to make sure that when you are looking for a lawyer that deals in disability you know, you go to their website, you read up about them. You do not want a lawyer that says, I am a disability lawyer, but I can also handle your family law issues, and your estate's tax planning, and your real estate, no. This is not the way it was. The law is has evolved tremendously. This is not, you know, a hundred years ago when you have general practitioners everywhere. Just like with doctors. You need a specialist. You need somebody who has expertise in the area of long-term disability. Anyways, so here we have this person who's saying, I got this lawyer, I fought the insurance company, but eventually I had to take uh, a very low cash settlement because uh, the lawyer and the lawyer's doctor didn't think that I was totally disabled. He says, the money I received is long gone and my condition now is is extreme. I I can hardly walk. Uh, I cannot work at all uh and, and the uh you know the money that uh that he had you know essentially ran out uh last year. He's still on sick leave, apparently, from the grocery store where he used to work. Uh and he says so he concludes by saying, I think I have the right to be on LTD monthly. Just not sure if that's possible now. Any thoughts would be appreciated. So let's recap this. We're dealing with a gentleman who's having major neurological issues with his feet, went off work four years ago got paid two years' worth of LTD, got cut off, allegedly because the doctors did not support his disability ongoing, even though this gentleman is still unable to work, even now. Okay, we're in 2021. Goes to a lawyer. Lawyer negotiates some kind of a a cash settlement with the insurance company. Um, And now this person doesn't have any more money. The money ran out, and that's it. You know, he's unable to work. What is he going to do? And he says, I think I have the right to be on LTD monthly tragic absolutely tragic so yeah. so let me break this down if you are cut off at the two-year mark here's what we need to do if we're dealing with your claim if you are still disabled we need to go to your doctors and we need to get them to explicitly explain in letter format okay it doesn't need to be twenty pages long it can be one page i don't care It could be a paragraph whatever it just needs to have enough meat to explain how long has this doctor treated you and in what capacity is it a specialist is it a family doctor what is the issue that you are experiencing? What is he or she treating you for? What have been the treatment recommendations? Have you followed those recommendations? Have you been trying to get treatments? Have you been undergoing treatments? What are they? What are the functional impairments? If this person works in a grocery store and has peripheral neuropathy in his feet and he can't walk, <laughs> and I, you know, I don't know what his educational background is, but if that's all he's done for many years, what is he supposed to do? You know, like, what, what, what can he do? Get a desk job at the grocery store? Do You know what I mean? I mean, listen, maybe there's something he can do. I don't know. But clearly, the insurance company had paid him for two years. So they, they confirmed that he cannot do his own job, his own occupation. The issue is, can he do any other occupation? And I don't know if that lawyer that he hired had looked into it. But if they settled shortly after um, he started the legal claim against the insurance company and the money already ran out to me that's a big uh, a big sign a big warning sign here right because if if the lawyer is getting you a bad settlement, well guess what if you signed on the dotted line for that settlement, you cannot undo it except for very exceptional circumstances and By the way, I have had people contact me from the you know entire country over the last you know ten or so years or so when we've been doing this show uh, asking me. Can I undo the settlement that my previous lawyer has has done for me? I don't think it was the correct settlement. I've heard you on TV. I've heard you on the radio. You know, I believe that maybe you can do something for me. And here's the general rule. If you have a lawyer that's representing you and you went through this process and you at the end signed on the dotted line a release, a settlement document, guess what? That's it. The money that you had received from the insurance company, And the document that you signed that the insurance company now has in their possession ends the relationship between you and the insurance company. You cannot go back after and say, oh, I'm still disabled. I want to get more money. Which is why it is absolutely crucial, John, I say this time and time again, for you to get the right lawyer at the beginning. You know, I had somebody that uh, contacted me yesterday. And, uh, you know, this person hasn't settled yet their claim but their claim has been ongoing for about four years, which incidentally is an insane amount of time for a long-term disability claim. We resolve most LTD claims in under a year, sometimes in a few weeks, sometimes in months, but certainly in less than a year. Rarely do they go over a year. Four years? I mean, something must have happened or the lawyer doesn't know what they're doing, okay? Something is going on here. Anyways, this person is at the end stages of the case after four years, and that person wants to now switch to us. Here's the problem. If you've been with the same lawyer, which was the wrong lawyer from the beginning for several years, you're going to have a tough time switching out to a different law firm. Because who wants to now undo any messes that were caused by the previous lawyers? I don't want to do that. I mean, I may feel bad for you, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, it's also something that I have to look at, right? I mean, I have seen cases where the mistakes were so atrocious that it becomes it becomes just a mess to try and undo everything. Uh, not to mention that the person can get hit with a, with a legal bill from their current lawyer. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to put people in that situation. So, the message here is this. If you are cut off or denied long-term disability, get the right lawyer from the beginning. Okay? If you don't, you're going to be very sorry, and you're going to have a tough time switching out later.
0: Take a short break. we still got a few more minutes, so if you want to send along an email or go to MyDisabilityQuestions.com, you could do that. I mean, you could do it anytime, but you can do it right now if you've got a couple minutes. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Email, again, help at disabilityrights.ca, and I'll give you the phone number if you want more of a lengthy private conversation with Savan or a member of his team. It's easy, One eight five five. 821-5900 we'll take a short break back at it for the last few minutes uh, this week the disability law show on global news radio and welcome back disability law show last few minutes of the show so we want to get uh, right back to it but i'll give you the numbers quickly 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca okay we're getting down the uh, getting down the nitty-gritty uh, take us away savannah what do you got now
1: so, John, again, something that we talk about occasionally, but we haven't talked about on this show yet, and I want to emphasize you know, our firm is unique um, in that we have expertise in both. Employment law and long-term disability law. And those two areas of law intersect. And and, you know, it's interesting, the more LTD we do, the more employment law we do, the more our lawyers talk with each other, the more we can make sure that our clients are fully protected when it comes to their, you know, their rights as employees, vis-a-vis their employers, as well as with insurance companies. So let me read you a question that was just posted this week by someone from Brampton uh, on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. It comes from uh, from Kim, and Kim writes, I am returning to work from long-term disability. My doctors want me to work part-time. They have a new contract for me to sign. This is the employer. Uh, should I have a lawyer look at it? I've been there for 21 years. So, you know, the risk, John, of, of uh, you know, encroaching on the show that you and Lior do, the, you know, the employment <laughs> law show, um, you, know, you know what the answer to this is. This person is coming back from long-term disability. Uh, the first thing that I would say is, Remember that when you are trying to go back to work after being on long term disability, you typically have a certain period of time under your LTD policy whereby if you are unsuccessful in your attempt to return to work, you can go back on LTD without waiting the initial elimination period, which is that period of time where you don't get paid after you've applied for LTD. Right. Usually it's about 90 days or so, sometimes longer. Uh, so so that 's important to understand it 's called a recurrence clause, so whenever you are dealing with a situation where you or someone you know is on ltd uh, there's discussion about trying to go back to work. make sure you ask the adjuster about that recurrence clause in your Ltd policy. You want to know within how much time how much time do you have to try to go back to work before you know if you need to to take more time off that you can go back on Ltd without waiting that elimination period, and in many cases. That's a six-month period, but you want to make sure that you know what it is in your specific LTD policy. Secondly, this person here apparently is going back to work, uh, but there is a new contract that is uh, uh, being, being sent or offered to this individual to sign. And this person has been there for 21 years. Now, John, again, I'm not the employment lawyer, but you've done this show, the employment law show with Lior, for I think around a decade or so. Do you yeah. think this person should simply sign that new contract after 21 Absolutely years?
0: Absolutely not. Good, good grief! <laughs> I, now. I
1: said to I said to this person, "You have to get a lawyer to review it. You know, it could be a simple word or phrase that com- that if you sign the contract and are not aware of it, could obliterate uh, any rights that you have accumulated for the last 21 years. You know, in common law. Okay, it's just a technical w- word of saying that you have certain rights." Uh, that uh, as a long-term employee, long-service employee, you may have uh, that, you know, may get extinguished because you're signing a new contract. So, you know, again, if you do not get a lawyer, and again, we got lawyers doing this all the time. They they review contracts, uh, they draft contracts of employment, etc. If you do not get an employment lawyer, like someone at my firm to look at it, and it doesn't have to be someone at my firm, go and whatever employment lawyer you want, you just, again, want to make sure you get someone good. If you don't get somebody to look at it, you could potentially be left out of, of thousands, if not tens or more, of thousands of dollars uh, that potentially you may be giving away if something happens down the road and you get let go from your job. So that's what I wanted to say about this one, uh, this, you know, this email, John, that people need to understand that there is this intersection of employment law and long-term disability law, which comes up quite often.
0: It's all nuanced, right? I mean, you just don't want to go to one person and assume that it's it's all said and done because it's you know the interplay is huge and it could it could and does mean thousands and thousands of dollars sometimes. So you really got to be uh, really got to be cautious, right? Final words, pal, before we uh, wrap it up for this week.
1: Final words, John, is that again we deal with long-term disability law. That's all we do. Okay, in my group at least. The other group in my firm do employment law. Uh, you know I, we don't have enough time here but I was gonna read another email from a lady in Calgary that just emailed us right we our firm all, we're all working remotely we service all of Ontario BC and Alberta but the reason we do these shows is so that we can get information out to people this is information that traditionally people have paid thousands of dollars an hour to book an appointment with a lawyer to get this we give this information for free so please please if you know someone that has employment issues, someone who has issues with their long-term disability insurer, we are here to help. Just come to us, go to our website, you'll get the information you need, and then you'll be informed and you'll understand what your rights are and what your options are.
0: Love it. Wrap it for another week. Here is how you get in touch. Do not hesitate to talk to Savannah, or a member of his uh, very capable crew. They'd love to have a chat with you. 1-855-821-5900 toll-free right there. Website, disabilityrights.ca. That is the link to our long-running TV show, which we mentioned several times today. The email, help at disabilityrights.ca. And for all your free answers and questions about LTD, you can type them, you can search them. That is mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show.